Hey everyone, welcome to episode 148 of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On today's episode, we're bringing Kevin Colleton back, the founder and CEO of Curation Health, and we're going to be talking about building culture in a healthcare startup. Hope you all enjoy. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. How are you today? Great to be here, Jared. I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for us to chat again. This is episode, uh, the second episode that we've done together. Uh, first one was really great to learn more about you and your background and, and what you're building at Curation Health. Uh, and then, well, the second episode for you and I, but then we also had Dr. Lambert, your, your chief uh, medical officer on as well to kind of dive into some different topics. And today you and I are going to discuss startup culture. So I know that's a topic everyone really cares about. Yeah. And uh, whether you're in a startup or not, right, it's it's super important. And um, I, I'd love for us to, to just get started hearing your initial thoughts. And then I, I can also chime in on some parts as well. I welcome it. No, this is an important topic. I think it's one that people I think if they're not doing an entrepreneurial venture, they just assume it happens. <laughs> and it's it's not really an uh, organic iterative process lots of things about this are but it's more of an intentional approach to set the foundation the right way and then build on top of it i think uh, so when i think about and i get this question a lot is how do you know you want to be an entrepreneur and how do you how do you how do you start and i think a big part of it is uh getting a, getting the right idea then it's recruiting the right team and then it's the founder or the leadership team's approach that keeps it sustainable. And, and I, I really break it down into those three segments. And from the big idea standpoint, I think it, uh, every, every culture is different, every organization is different. And health technology uh, has a tendency to do, uh, there's a lot of things to do, a lot of problems to solve, a lot of issues to manage, but it needs to be something that is aspirational a little more than we're gonna do reporting, right? or we're gonna build a reporting suite or an application that does X or Y. I think it needs to have some meaning to it. And, and at, at Curation Health, we always talk about, we're building something meaningful, something that actually solves a problem. And, and instead of just, uh, just doing work or doing a job, it's that the pursuit is um, to, to achieve an end. And I, I think Simon Sinek, who's a, a very famous philosopher, I, he always has the, he, that mantra of start with a why. Why is your organization doing what they're doing? And I, I, I'm a subscriber to that. I think it's really important because it sets this foundation for who will be attracted to your type of venture, who would be willing to invest time and their career and risk associated with joining you on a, on a journey. So building something meaningful, actually, we talk about a lot um, at, at Curation Health, and we're innocent enough to believe that if we do the right thing for providers and the patients, patients in a community will receive better care. And it's easy to get behind that. If you can do a small step towards achieving better outcomes and care and community health, it's hard not to get behind that. So we, again, are innocent enough to believe that we are getting there and we're actually doing it today, but we wanna we want to be able to help more organizations achieve those results and those outcomes. 
Um, but that meaningful work is really important um, and an aspirational idea that people can get behind. And in our case, we're in the value-based care industry, as you know, Jared, and we, we are focused on making it easier for providers to act on the right health information to, to manage prospectively the wellness of their patients. And that aspirational idea is how do we take work away from the most burdened uh, people in this equation, the physicians and their staff? How do we remove workload and make it easier for them to do the right thing? And that's a big part of our aspirational journey leading to better, better care for the community and the, and the patients. So that's the big idea. And that's really important to start with that when you're thinking about your venture, in my opinion, because uh, it's really hard to get people excited about something that doesn't have an aspirational element to it. Once you set that foundation and, and you yourself as a founder or a, a founding leader of a team, believe it. It will take four seconds for a candidate to know if you believe in what you're doing or not, maybe less than that. It's that first impression of, are they behind this or is this just a way to gain revenue or grow a portfolio of things that do things? There's a big difference between that approach and then the approach of building something you care about and you want to cultivate and have it really thrive, survive and sustain. So I think that's really important. And that big idea and that foundational point is, is step one. For me, the second step is, is getting the right team. And this is way harder than people think it's going to be, I believe. Uh, and I, I've been doing this a while now. And, and I think the key is there is massive talent in all industries and healthcare technology is no exception. There is just a, a lot of talent in the industry. But when you discern what the talent needs, what environment they need to survive, thrive, and be successful, it's incredibly complex. There is a lot of uh, incredible talent that requires uh, a tremendous amount of structure and frameworks and methodologies to be previously delineated for them to be able to enter that workflow and just drive incredible value. Other, other profiles of team members need ambiguity and open question, and their expertise is, is solving and creating that structure and that framework and that methodology. And then there's a million other permutations of people that want small entrepreneurial culture or fast, fun, and friendly. I used to uh, be an executive at Target, and that was their mantra is fast, fun, and friendly. Every culture needs and celebrates different attributes. And for us, we need team members at our phase of, of growth that are wired for entrepreneurship, that don't require incredible structure or lots of rigidity to a workflow or process because we're still in the phase where we're dynamic. We're, we're iterating, I would argue every day, we iterate some facet of what we're doing, how we're doing it, why we're doing it, and it's based on client feedback. It's based on market changes and industry progression. And having people that are wired for entrepreneurship is super important. I've worked with some of the most talented people I've ever spent time with that just weren't wired for that. They were wired for structure and being able to hit the ball out of the park if it's pitched exactly in the strike zone. And at the, this phase of our rapid growth, it's all about having people that are willing to figure out where the pitch is going to go uh, and step, uh, you know, step towards it or step away from it to make sure that they can connect. And 
those needs are important to, to understand. We, once you establish this core group, Jared, I always joke, I, the first five or 10 team members that join me, I'm just astounded by. These people are massive talent and their willingness to join me on this journey is humbling because it's really hard to build something from nothing. It takes a tremendous amount of energy to create something. Um, and when you have your first handful of team members that are say to you, hey, Kevin, I'm, I'm in. I want to join you on this. I think this is going to be awesome. It is, I would argue for most founders, incredibly humbling because these people believe in what you're putting together. They want to be part of it. They want to invest time. And, and in our era, time matters. People don't work 30 years for one company very frequently anymore. They're, and they're making a purposeful choice to spend time helping you build something that's important. And that's humbling. So that, that first group is really important to get the people that subscribe to that or invested. But it's also on me for that first group of leadership that I'm the one helping select them. I'm the one understanding how they're going to fit in and what what personality profiles they have and how we're going to manage this person this versus this person. But as you scale, it gets harder because I no longer can interview every single candidate. I try to, but I can't always interview them. So I was at a dinner party a couple years ago and talking to a fellow entrepreneur about um, how they manage scale. They're, they're a few years down the road farther than I am. And they're in the hundreds of employees phase of growth. And they had uh, read this book called um, The Ideal Team Player. And it's a very small book, um, easy airport read, air, airport flight read. Um, but it has a premise of three attributes. It, it, it talks about fine, and this is mainly for kind of entrepreneurial team-based success. They've boiled it down to three attributes and it's humble, hungry, and smart. And the definitions are not obvious. So humble is you're finding team members that are, are, are understanding that they are not an individual contributor only, that they can't independently make your organization successful. They're not the, the savior of your company or they're not the sole participant. So humble is understanding that it's a team sport. The, the hungry is finding people that are self-motivated and are able to manage their own progress. So one of the challenges with an entrepreneurial venture is, is I like to bring on talent that likes to be the CEO of their own component part of our enterprise that they want to own it like it's their own business. And, and that hungry is a big part of that, is our, the willingness to sign up for that, the, the yearning to move the ball forward and manage their own time and resources. And Jared, as we talked about in our first conversation, we're a 100% remote company. There's really no headquarters. Our headquarters is each person's home office. Um, we, we gather together frequently because personal interaction matters and it's often at a client or, or some other setting. But I need people that are able to self-manage their day, self-manage their workload and let me know if they need help, but I'm counting on them to own it otherwise. And that's regardless of almost any tier of our organization at this point. And then the SMART, the third attribute, SMART, is about 
not necessarily intellect, because I would argue that, uh, you know, that's, that's an obvious need is to have people that understand your industry, understand your space and are willing to invest uh, in, in getting up to speed if they don't have all of the insights they need. Smart is about how do you communicate effectively to want people to help you? Because if you communicate effectively and you frame it right, the right culture will pitch in and help and it'll move the initiative further, faster. And that's a really important part of it. I, I, I joke sometimes with our team that we don't wear, you know, the, the Superman S on our shirt, but everybody on our team is wearing a parachute to, to be able to dive in and help a team member in times of need or workload gets high or clients need something specific or, 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 or special that we, regardless of job description, roles and responsibilities, we have a culture where everyone's willing to pitch in. And I hear that from our team frequently as one of the things they appreciate the most. And the last thing I'll mention on, on the team side is with a, with a remote culture like ours, it is easy to just let your weeks go. And all of a sudden you realize a month has passed, two months has passed. So we very intentionally every week on Friday morning gather the whole company for 30 minutes. And candidly, most of what we talk about is not work. A lot about what we talk about is highlighting someone's, uh, we, we, you know, one of the things that's been really interesting is learning more about individual team members and having conversations around um, uh, key events, milestones and, and other celebrations of success recognizing people for contributions that may not be obvious to our success, but are essential. And that 30 minutes is worth, uh, is worth a fortune in culture because it allows people to decompress. I'm not running through PowerPoints of our finances and our, our, our growth or our, our, our client lists, et cetera. Sometimes we do do that when it's, when it's important and key moments, but a lot of it is just casual informal and, and, and having a culture of people that enjoy spending time together. Um, that's really important. The last component is what I do or what uh, founders do or leadership teams of entrepreneurial ventures. And I'm pretty intentional about this part too. Uh, I think for me, people, it's humbling they signed up for this journey to join me on something uh, that is unproven, never been attempted before. There's no there's no binder with the with the plays that we're going to be running. We are literally building the ship while flying it. And people are looking to me to set the pace. And I see so frequently um, organizations that have um, leadership that is super excited and then maybe not so excited and celebrating with confetti and then not so much. And my style, what works the best, and, and I know many entrepreneurs that are massively successful with that. Highs are high and, and lows, maybe not as high, but the team loves the energy, the enthusiasm and the passion that that entrepreneur has. And I have that passion. I don't uh, usually make it incredibly visible because my style, Jared, is I don't want to tack up the river. I want the fastest path to getting more clients to be served by our solution, having people see me as the, the, um, the, the calm general that we're, we're going through this process. I am absolutely celebrating when we're doing awesome things. 
And I am 100% diving into support when things aren't awesome, because every organization goes through these phases of success and, and maybe some, some setbacks. Uh, but my, I see myself as trying to manage the whole, the, the, the captain of the ship, so to speak, to keep us on, on the map um, and charting the right course for efficiency, but success. Um, so, and, and, but again, celebrating when required, supporting when not, but trying to maintain the mean or get to the average uh, of our culture. So people just feel like we have a consistent and predictable approach. Because safety, this is another Simon Sinek analogy, is he's always big on uh, employees want to feel safe. They want to feel like you're headed in the right direction that is meaningful, productive, and positive. But they also want to feel like it's a safe environment where they can speak their mind. And I think if you surveyed our, uh, some of our team members, they would say that they're very comfortable speaking their mind. There's no, re there's no negative repercussions for, for, um, uh, for highlighting a, a challenge or something we need to resolve. It's, it's a, a safety thing. We want the best and the brightest to be contributing all they can and to be as autonomous as they feel comfortable because that unlocks um, kind of additional value by, by them being really engaged, highly successful, and very efficient in the journey. So those are the three things. Get a big idea, stick to it, make it aspirational but meaningful. Get the right team member surrounding you. And that team member profile may evolve over time. Uh, in my last venture, it was, um, you know, that team member profile changed as we changed a little bit of how we serve clients and what we do. Central tenants may, may be the same, but the, some of the attributes may modify over time. And the last is be very intentional around your leadership style and what matches best with your personality. And I, there's no right answer. But knowing yourself and how your team members are reacting to you and what they're looking for you to be able to provide for them is, is really important. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, it's uh, there's a few times I was going to um, agree with what you were saying. And, and for the audience, I, I put myself on mute. I don't know what was going on here. You should have heard it. There was helicopters. There's lawnmowers, my washing machine. You, this whole work, work from home is great, but you, you, you don't get that's one thing you don't get in an office. Right. Um, right. But it, it, it's uh, there, there's a lot of conveniences. No, I'm big fan of uh, I'll quickly add big fan of, uh, of Simon. Um, really love his talks too on the millennial generation kind of makes fun at it too you know like we want food and beanbag chairs I'd love to hear I haven't heard I'm sure he's come up with something but his thoughts on remote workforces because a lot of his talks too are like you know on like bringing in like food and the right culture in the office and I'm sure he's he's done some on remote work now but um, yeah prolific speaker uh, much much like yourself I really enjoy listening to you everything flows so so easily you can sense the this is why I also like doing the videos everyone so for those that just listen check out the video Kevin's eyes light up when he talks about his team and what he does and that's why I like doing the videos for for everyone to be able to see that you don't get that out of strictly audio right so um, yeah no I, I agree with everything that you said and I know what the audience is thinking when you say humble hungry smart they're like is he talking about Tom Brady right now? <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people don't like Tom Brady, even though. But uh, but it, it's it's interesting, right? Like I, I think even in sports, you look at that, and the most successful, really, the most successful people, no matter what they're doing, have those three qualities in, in some way, right? Um, we want you want to hear we, not I. 
Uh, it's e even when, when the we is maybe that person didn't even contribute as much, the we mentality, uh, and then not, not necessarily having someone that's everything's maybe come easy to them or they've never been willing to work, someone that's willing to put the time in and actually take it the extra mile and not, not stop or uh, get flustered when something goes wrong, willing to ask the right questions, right? Um, that was early criticism I actually had in my career was there were certain things that if I didn't know, like I, I wanted to do it and they're like, just ask us for help. Like, what are you doing? Um, and I, I figured that out after, and, and it definitely helped. Being right. able to ask for help is something I would really add to. Anyone who doesn't, that, that tends to scare me um, for certain team members and definitely try to have conversations with that as early as possible because you can go down a slippery slope, right? If you're not asking for help. That's right, no, that's, that's big. And, and uh, I think part of that is the culture you set up. I mean, back to the intentional culture, if your culture is threatening, I'm not a yeller. There are a lot of successful leadership profiles of yellers. I am definitely not a yeller. If I am, if I am uh, highly frustrated, it is very rare, and it's usually because somebody didn't ask for help and something happened, right? Or somebody held the ball far too long and tried to run all the way down the field by themselves. And that's a challenging scenario, and it's hard to teach. But if you create the environment where they don't even think about asking for help, it's just easy, that's awesome because then you don't fear that people are, are suffering in silence, right? Or our client, client value is being limited by somebody's inability to ask for help. That's really important to, to not have that environment in my opinion. And part of it is, I think if you set the wrong tone, people are afraid to ask for help, literally. And, and that's not the right answer to get, to unlock, uh, unlock additional value for sure. Absolutely. Well, I can't wait for our next conversation. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. I want to thank you again so much for, for coming on the podcast and uh, wish you all the, the best uh, of luck with everything that you're doing. Huge fan of Curation Health and uh, we'll, we'll have to have you on again soon and other members of your team. Thank you, Jared. Thanks for the opportunity. Good to speak with you. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, you can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.